Welcome to episode 20 of the 24-Hour Hustle Show, and today we got special guest, executive producer, and host of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Welcome to the 24-Hour Hustle Show. I'm your host, Anthony Freeze, and today we got special guest Aaron Watson, and this is the show where we get to find out where people are maximizing on their 24 hours, and today we got Aaron Watson, who's been doing incredible things, got his podcast, also just had a, an amazing summit that you put on, uh, and you're definitely doing a lot of great things. Great quick story real quick, just to give some people some, some context. Um, I've been following you for a, a good bit of time, about two months now, uh, on Instagram. And I think one of the ways that I came across you was one of the promotions that you put on, that you did here at this studio, at Studio Me. Because yep. I happened to just um, be going through Studio Me's news feed, and I was like, oh, this guy's doing something pretty interesting here. And then, because uh, I just wanted to see who else was utilizing the studio, and I saw what you were doing, and I was like, man, he's trying to do his own conference. I was like, that's very interesting. So I started following you, and I just wanted to see how it played out. And, you know, a lot of the things that you have going on as far as, like, just that alone is a major big deal. So to have you to come on and be able to speak about that and how you pulled that off is definitely going to be highly beneficial to our audience. So I'm glad to have you here. So welcome to the show. Anthony, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, be talking with you and sharing with the audience. Absolutely. So let's get into your background uh, for people who, you know, don't know who you are, find out, uh, you know, what it is that you do and just find out a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so I host Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I've done more than 280 episodes of my show. It's a half hour, twice a week, um, and we've covered a broad range of characters. We have local entrepreneurs. I've interviewed uh, Mayor Bill Peduto, people in the blockchain space, uh, folks in the nonprofit world, uh, best-selling authors, and really the core idea that we're exploring is so I was 23, I graduated from the University of Pittsburgh um, and wasn't particularly enthralled with the career opportunities that were presented to me. And what I was really going in search of with the show as a vehicle for doing so is how do people get into the most interesting careers? How do you become a best-selling author? How do you become an uh, entrepreneur, uh, owner of a wealth management firm with hundreds of millions of dollars under management like how does that happen mm -hmm. and you know hustle is a huge huge part of that but there's also a degree of not following the preordained stair step path there is kind of a, a traditional story associated with the entrepreneur's journey um, or, or anyone who's being entrepreneurial's journey, but there isn't a clearly defined path that will be set in front of you. It's very much about finding that yourself mm -hmm. and kind of following your gut and your nose to somewhere interesting. And that's been my story. That's awesome. I mean, the, the fact that you've been able to pull off that many episodes and you've been doing this for how long? Two and a half years. Wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's that's a lot of episodes, and and you say you do it twice a week, and you pretty much stay consistent to that. Yeah, more or less. You know, a couple of times I've gotten sick or holidays, you you scale it back a little bit. But really, what I'm 
basically modeling is my experience from sports and ultimate frisbee. So at the University of Pittsburgh, won two national championships with the ultimate frisbee team at the University of Pittsburgh. Nice. And I was not the most skilled, I was not the tallest player, but I was the player that worked the hardest. I was the player that spent more time in the gym. I was the player that showed up for every track workout and put other people to shame. And you know, even at practices, when other people were doing downtime or showing up late, I was there early. I was milking that time for everything that it was worth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just replicating that model. There's a lot of, you know, I, I've seen people who they do a weekly show and then a, a year later they have 39 episodes. Mm -hmm. There's 52 weeks, like you're not doing a weekly show, right? right. And not to disparage them or, or, or put that person down, but my kind of competitive edge is I want to be doing more. I want to have more reps. I want to have more experiences under my belt. And that's going to translate into results. Mm -hmm. And that's really how you should be measuring it. There's a, there's a, it's really easy to fall in love with the vanity metrics, the views, the subscribers, the likes, like these numbers. Uh -huh. But those numbers, are, at the end of the day, aren't meaningless, but they're not as meaningful as many people place them. It's really about the results that you're driving, in positively impacting people's lives, bottom line, you know, top line revenue on your business. Those are the things that people should be orienting themselves around and let everything else serve those purposes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what I really like about you, I, I really like your competitive spirit. I, I love that because one of the things that you said whenever we got together over a cup of coffee, you're like, I'm gonna put everybody else's episode yeah. to shame. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, bring it on. Like, yeah. I love this. So everybody, I'm gonna put everybody on notice right now. Um, previous people that have been on the show, if you're watching this right now, start promoting right now. Future people on the episode, start promoting that super heavy because but let's, this guy here says he's gonna blow you out of the water. Let me make another statement though. You, you could also just quit now because <laughs> I'm going to beat you. This is gonna be the most viewed episode ever of the 24 hour hustle show. I guarantee it. And if you disagree, come at me, let me know. But but that, I mean, that's it. That's, I love it's it. It's driving results. Right. It's, it's meaningful for people. And that's that's what you're chasing a lot of the time. Like people who, they're, they're chasing the attention, they're chasing chase results right and if you are actually trying to get results it will tell you what to do if you want to be faster go to the gym go mm -hmm. to the track if you want the audacity of having people show up for your show invest in a great studio take mm -hmm. the time to prepare have all the equipment have a great teammate that's what actually drives results oh, yeah. for people and <clears throat> pursue that and so another thing this i've given this a couple times but and it's a little dated but uh 50% of people who start podcasts never make it past their seventh episode. 50%? 50% start a podcast, never make it past their seventh episode. Wow, that's a big deal. So you're in the top 50. Yeah. Of the people that make it past episode seven, 50% don't make it past episode 23. Okay, so this is episode 20. We got five, we're gonna, we're gonna blow past that. You're, I have no doubt that you're gonna continue down the path, but in terms of the mental game of mm -hmm. actually continuing, because it's, it, it can seem sexy. It's also a bit of a slog. You're hustling, oh, yeah. you're putting in the extra work. That's part of what hustle's all about. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the mental game of shifting into, all right, once I cross episode 23, I'm in the top quartile of all podcasts ever. Ever. Wow. I hadn't thought about it like that before, but that's, that is, that's huge. That's powerful. Yeah, and it is it, powerful. And it gives you that marker by which, all right, I'm already elite. I'm already elite. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just competing with the other best of the best. Uh -huh. And that even brings out something greater within you. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, 
I get the benefit of being your 20th episode, your skills as an interviewer, as a moderator of this, these type of conversations, mm -hmm. has improved through these 20 episodes. Watch episode one right now. No, watch Not this twice. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and then come back and then watch this again because it definitely has improved a lot, I would say so for sure. Exactly, and so I get the benefit of that, but you're also just continuing to level up your own skill set, and that's the type of thing that I'm just absolutely addicted to. Like, I'm, I'm good now at being on shows like this, I'm good now at interviewing after 280 episodes of my own show, mm -hmm. but like, oh my God, at 560, when I double what I'm at now, I can't even imagine. Obviously. Right, you, you'll be amazing at that point. Exactly. I mean, also, I mean, this is something that we can actually talk about, you know, just developing and getting that competitive mindset because that's something that I'm big on too because like when you said that, like that excited me. I'm like, ooh, somebody, somebody that can challenge me now uh, yeah. or just, uh, it, it levels each other up. It's that competitive spirit of uh, just trying to, you know, make each other better. And I know that's something I like to have because not everybody is, always in the challenging mode and sometimes if you're just always just trying to stay you know here and you don't have somebody saying you know oh, I'm gonna outdo you here it was like wait a minute no I'm gonna you know what I mean so I really like that um, so I know for myself as well I'm gonna be promoting the hell out of this just as I do with any episode but you know with you saying that as well I feel like it's extra you know, back into that as well. So how would you say somebody develops that competitive nature though? You gotta get around those type of people. You, mm -hmm. you will not be competitive if you're spending your time with complacent people. So, I mean, let's talk about like the meta of what's happening oh, yeah. here. We're here on a Saturday afternoon. There's a lot of people drinking or sitting on the couch mm -hmm. or doing some other stuff. The people who watch this show aren't those type of people mm -hmm. and I'm not that type of person. I love this. Mm -hmm. This is this isn't even work for me. I love it mm -hmm. because I get to be in the room with other people who are putting in the work. Right. And I feed off of that. I see your hustle. Mm -hmm. I'm like fuck, I'm going to go back. Can I swear? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I'm going to go back home after this and I'm going to go work for like 2 hours just like I'm going to beat Anthony. Yeah. Cuz th there's that edge. Yeah. You, you get around those types of people. I was in a room last night um, with a bunch of people kind of talk, talking about tech and futurism, and I was the, I, I promise you, I was the dumbest person in the room. Mm -hmm. There was four self-driving car engineers from the different companies around Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. There was someone doing um, like implantable technology, like I'm gonna put like a light or, or you know a sensor in, underneath my skin. Mm -hmm. um, and then another person was like a PhD in computer ethics or mm -hmm. something like, like I don't even, totally grasp what they're talking about and that is part of what makes me more fluent in future situations because I've absorbed these really technical high-level thinkers mm -hmm. and you know I can't translate a hundred percent of what they said to someone else mm -hmm. but if I can take you know 40 50 60 percent of that and in the same way I'm gonna feed off of your energy and your hustle mm -hmm. and I'm gonna absorb a little bit of that and inject that into my own work absolutely one of the things like even when we first got together that's one of the things that I noticed like um, as we were getting ready to leave like I felt like the energy and the chemistry was like getting higher and higher because when we started talking about ideas and everything like that and where we're in our in our marketing strategies and talking about ideas I was like I was like, somebody is actually like doing this as well. Like there's somebody out there that's doing the same thing. So, um, you know, just being a part of those different crowds and those associations, uh, to your point, as far as, you know, being around people that are doing the tech stuff, yeah. that is huge. I mean, because you, you want to be around people where, like um, you also said, you don't want to be the smartest in the room because if you are, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. So you want to be around people that are going to help level you up and, you know, just going to keep adding that value to you. So, um, you know, that definitely helps with, you know, the um, 
competitive mindset as well, just being around the right people. So I would definitely say that is huge. Um, getting into a little bit about your backstory and kind of, you know, what it's inspired you, you know, to go down the path that you're on right now, getting a little dark right here, but it's all good. Um, what's inspired you to start up uh, your your podcast and, and, and get into the road of eventually starting up your conference? So one of the important takeaways, I was kind of talk, uh, talking about the entrepreneurial journey or the, the journey of starting anything new, it's not necessarily a business, is you, as a species, we humans tend to think we're really good at predicting the future and we're just objectively not, <clears throat> whether it's you know tracking investors and people who trade on the, on the different markets um, or just any sort of psychological experiment, we're pretty bad at predicting the future. Mm. And so one of the really important takeaways that I hope to share with other people is that when I turned on the microphone for episode one of my show, I could not have even to the smallest degree articulated, oh, I'm gonna do a summit in East Liberty um, in the middle of January, which was a terrible idea, <laughs> and get over 180 people to show up for these kind of TED-style talks and also have you know community and connecting opportunities for everyone in attendance. I couldn't have articulated that. Mm -hmm. but. As I progressed and as I was attending other events like South by Southwest, Thrival, DLD, Next Gen Summit, Advertising Week, I was absorbing, oh, I like this, I don't like that about these type of events. I love the energy, I love the people, I love certain speakers, I hate these panels where like there's no chemistry and there's kind of competing with each other for attention. Mm -hmm. And that all infor eventually informed the design of the Going Deep Summit and the desire to even create it in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't have even started to form that idea at episode one. I just thought that, you know, the podcast is going to blow up and it's going to be its own, like, single thing. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. I've made countless connections. I've, you know, become friends with a lot of the people who ended up speaking on stage. And all of that is a byproduct of the work that I've put in. But it's almost like uh, a path where you take these different steps. And at each subsequent step, you look around and you're like, oh, there's these four other possibilities or connections mm -hmm. that I didn't even have. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't have made that connection at step one, but at step three, it's crystal clear that this is possible, that <clears throat> I know exactly what it will take, I know what will go into it. Not not that I had everything planned with the summit right off mm -hmm. uh, when I started it, but I, oh, this is how it would work. This is kind of the budget. This is kind of the way I would market it. These are the people I need to get on board. Mm -hmm. will kind of be like dominoes that lead to more people attending. and. When you put all that together, it's just, you know, that's the advantage that you get from hustling, going over 40 hours a week, mm -hmm. is you take those steps more quickly, and then you have more data points to inform your decisions moving forward. Absolutely. And then just, and, and, and before we actually get, you know, going deep all the way in it, um, trying to figure out, you know, how was it like, you know, for yourself growing up? Like, what were the things that inspired you to even, you know, get interested in entrepreneurship or business and things like that? What were, how were you like as a kid or how was school like? Like, what, in, like, what were some of the things that motivated you to get to this point? So there's a lot of little stories that my mom has, but maybe just talking about my parents makes sense. Uh, first off, neither of them are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. There isn't anyone in my family mom or dad's side that are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What both of my parents are, are hard workers. You look at their neighborhoods where they grew up and the outcomes of the kids that they grew up with, mm -hmm. they are all in the upper quartile, upper 10th 
from a you know upper middle class standpoint mm-hmm. through working in large companies and corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, that that work ethic is something they instilled in me. They you know they said you know Aaron you're smart Aaron you have all these um, privileges as uh, a young person in a good school district and all these other things but you that's not enough. You can't just rely on being smart. You have to work harder than other people. And they exemplify that every day. They wouldn't necessarily come home and they weren't necessarily always working, you know, 70 or 80 hour work weeks, mm-hmm. but they came home and were investing in their homes, you know, fixing every, my dad was fixing everything at the house. Mm-hmm. My mom's, you know, most people would say like one of the best cooks that they know. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're investing into these crafts that translate into all sorts of things. They throw parties and everyone wants to be there because they know my mom's gonna have some crazy food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and only as like a junior or senior at college was the first time my dad even said to me, he's like, you know, Aaron, I worked really hard, I had these different things, but I hope that you can find a way to be more entrepreneurial than me because that's kind of the one thing he experimented with a little bit and never really like took off. Mm-hmm. And so that's deeply impactful when your dad's like, you know, if you know, I, I hope that you can do this better than me. That's like, I don't know if there's parents listening, like you wanna implant something in your kid's head, like, hey, I'd really like it if you could do this thing better than me. Uh-huh. That like broke my brain. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll figure out how to do that for you. Cause I knew that would something, that's something that would be meaningful for him, would make him proud. But like, how often does a parent even say that? They're us- that's not usually what right. you're hearing. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty deeply impactful. Yeah, I mean, if a parent ever wants to influence their 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 son or daughter, I mean, that would definitely be the key to do it. I would say so. I mean, <clears throat> I know if uh, that was me as well, I would I would feel the same way. And also to the um, going back to the competitive thing, like that also probably helped fuel that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, the sports. So like, I played a bunch of other sports before Ultimate, and Ultimate kind of worked because it's very countercultural. So you know, in high school we weren't even like a club status like we had an association with the school but I was I was recruiting kids to be on the team Mm -hmm. I was organizing travel and like making sure you know Ryan drew uh, Sam are you gonna be there on Tuesday like we need players Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of like this foundational leadership lesson Mm -hmm. that you're not getting from a lot of other sports right and then it's even further at Pitt where I was you know pitching the student government student government board for funding um, we're recruiting players, we're negotiating sponsorship deals for jerseys, and all these other lessons that you're not necessarily getting from other sports environments. And then you also take the work ethic side as well. You know, how do you be the best? How do you um, win in all these competitive scenarios? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some maybe some information that helped develop your mindset? Like, were you in a, in a lot of books at that point in time? Like, where were you gathering your information to start even developing this mindset even more? Um, a, so I wasn't really reading that much until about like 22. I, I read a lot when I was younger and then I think just like high school and early college stuff, like they kind of beat the love of reading out of people. Uh-huh. Um, and so it took me a while to come back to that, but I, I read a lot now and more so than anything else, like getting back to being in the room with competitive people, like the other guys who were on the Pit Ultimate team were some of the best in the country were incredibly competitive. You know, we had one captain who every single day was up at 6 a.m. going to the gym. And one of the best things that ever happened for me was, I, don't, I think it was my sophomore, maybe my junior year, he like just texted me, it was like, this Saturday morning, I'm picking you up at 6 a.m. and we're going to the gym together. Mm-hmm. And so that meant, you know, in college there's a lot of partying, can't party in the same way, mm-hmm. uh, gotta set my alarm, and then have to work out with someone who is in tremendous physical shape mm-hmm. and try to keep up with him at the gym. 
And just in terms of setting this different watermark of, oh, you can be up here. This right. Is like, I hadn't worked out with someone who could bench that much that much before. Mm -hmm. um, it set this high watermark. It's like, okay, I'm going to aim for that now. I, I didn't even know that that was where I was aiming. I was aiming here, but that that changes your trajectory. Absolutely. And, and just having somebody like that, it, it keeps you accountable, and it makes you a lot more disciplined when you have somebody that has that same exact competitive nature, uh, and you you know you want to outdo them. Um, and, and those things specifically, as far as just being disciplined and having somebody to be accountable to, um, helps a lot, uh, I found. And, and just being consistent and persistent as far as the goals go, uh, and waking up early in the morning and things like that, those definitely help a lot. And I also think that in terms of that, so like there's there's the <coughs> one part of like, you know, don't be around complacent people or go seek out the, the people who are doing really interesting things. But both of these are tied to your own personal action. So if you are a 24 hour hustler, you're naturally not gonna have as much time for the complacent people who right. wanna go and do the happy hour on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You mm -hmm. just don't have time because I'm doing my thing. Right. So it's it naturally, you, you loosen the connections there. And then the, you, you know, just the fact that we're at Studio Me on a Saturday, mm -hmm. someone else who walks in here and, and records their podcast or something, that's another 24-hour hustler because yeah. they're here on a Saturday. Exactly. And so you just end up being in the same spaces with those people, which leads to those connections. Mm -hmm. So the, I think there's like a degree of overthinking or over-strategizing about how to like create the perfect network and like the people that I need to know, can I check them off the list? Mm -hmm. It's not really like that. It's more about your own principles and values and actions mm -hmm. and really just moving through the world with that mindset. And you know, like the first time we sat down, it was apparent how into your work you were, how much you valued that stuff. And that's what resonated with me. I was like, I know that this is, you know, a brother in arms. Uh -huh. And even if we're not necessarily business partners, I want to I want to do something to to help his hustle and mm. help him on his work because he's actually putting in the work, right? right. No one wants to help the person who just right. like sits there and waits for something to happen. Mm. They love to go the way and I'm talking about like you know, very successful 40, 50, 60, 70 year old people who have made it. Mm -hmm. They made it because they had that same hustle. So when they see some younger person who exhibits all those qualities, mm -hmm. they want to give them the shot. They want to make the introduction. They want to be the mentor mm -hmm. because you already have all that going on, mm -hmm. and it just naturally attracts that stuff to you. Yeah, I mean, at, like I said, at, during and after that meeting, like I felt like the chemistry was super high. Like I, it, it definitely resonated with me. Like I can, I can tell. Like you were in it. Like you were in the thick of things. Like just as far as like what you're doing, what you're saying, what you were getting excited about. Like we were both getting excited about the same thing. I was literally getting goosebumps. Like the stuff that we were talking about. Like yeah. it, like it was amazing. So, um, yeah, just getting a, in, in, involved in those associations in those circles or even just uh, connecting with people on social media has definitely uh, been highly beneficial for me. Um, I know that's how I've been able to connect with a lot of people on the show um, and things like that. So, And that's um, what the Going Deep Summit was about was getting those, like, like what I was selling was a ticket to an event on Saturday in January from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself, like, just you walk into that room and you know that everyone else in that room made the same decision mm -hmm. to give up their Saturday for this personal development, educational um, oriented event. Mm -hmm. And that's like, okay, these are my people, these are my tribe. Like. Uh -huh. I just presented that to you, like, here they are, mm -hmm. go do something with it. Absolutely. So that, yeah, so now let's get into, you know, the summit and, you know, talking about how you put that together because for, because I, like I told you before, I, I want to do something very similar to that. 
um, as well. So for somebody that also may be trying to do the same thing, what would you say is some of the initial challenges of starting and you know completing your own conference or summit? And what were some of the things that you did to overcome those? So let's talk about the business model to start because that's like a, an important kind of one-on-one lesson of this. So upfront, you have to put a deposit on a venue. You have to put together programming and that's all before you get any money. You might be, I mean, if you're a really good salesperson, you have really good relationships and a very strong reputation, you can start, start to sell sponsorships against that early on, which can subsidize or pay for those costs. Mm -hmm. But that was not the case for me. I put $1,000 down on the venue with nothing, like no revenue for sure coming in, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you're taking that upfront risk. For some people that's a big deal, for some people that isn't, but mm -hmm. you know, different scales, it would be different costs. My payout for all my tickets happens after the event, mm -hmm. right? So whether that's buying um, whatever goodies or small costs that come associated with banners, um, renting a lapel mic, all these different things, that goes on my credit card. Mm -hmm. I was selling sponsorships, and the more sales I can show, the easier it is to sell a sponsor. It's like, all right, I've already sold 120 tickets. Mm -hmm. I only have one feature sponsor spot left. Mm -hmm. Are you in? Like, it's easier to kind of right. push them a little bit. But um, so that business model is the revenues are sponsored dollars, um, ticket sales. And then potentially you could also have merch and other things. Like you go to a concert, the the reason there's always merch at concerts is because you already have the captive audience. They're already willing to spend money with you. Can you make that person a $100 revenue uh, individual as opposed to a 60 or a $50 right. in, uh, revenue individual? So that's like the next model on top of that. But your, your costs are, you have the fixed cost of the venue, you have whatever costs are associated with the speakers, with merch with uh, people who are working there. I was lucky, you know, my, my girlfriend volunteered, I had some interns, so I was able to mitigate that cost, but mm -hmm. that's another cost you have potentially. Um, and then you're kind of playing the balancing game between that. The other thing with ticket sales is, it's not linear. You're, you have your initial, I announced it, there's certain people who are just into it, they're like, I'm in, mm -hmm. I, I love Aaron, I trust Aaron, if he says this is gonna happen, I believe him. Mm -hmm. So you have that little bit, and then you just kind of have a little tick by tick, day by day, uh, you know, I go on a show and they talk about it and the three people who are really into it, they're like, yes, I'm in. But what a lot of people do is they wait till the last week. I think I, you know, out of 180, I think I maybe sold 20 tickets in the last 36 hours before the event. Really? So in terms of that ramp up, that was mm -hmm. the most I ever had in a single day period. Mm -hmm. And that is cool. It's like, a, it's an amazing, uh, positive, experience right before the event you're like oh there's there's more revenue walking in the door mm -hmm. but you're hustling and grinding for each ticket sale yeah and it's it doesn't scale at first like i had to sit down with 30 to 40 people within pittsburgh either on their show or you know just getting coffee down the street at zeke's and talk about like this is what i'm doing this is what it's going to be uh it's somewhere between ted and thrival which are both cultural events that people in Pittsburgh can understand. Mm -hmm. Ted, each speaker gets up to 18 minutes and the lights come on, we clap, they walk off, the next person walks on. Mm -hmm. Panel, it's more interactive, but once again, like you have the people competing against each other or like fighting for time and attention. 
they're going to have the stage. I'm trusting them with the stage. They're going to have more than that time. And then there's definitely going to be the opportunity to interact and ask questions with the speakers after the fact. So it's that more interactive than a TED Talk, uh, more focused than panel discussions on other platforms. Right. It's also going to have downtime for connecting with other people. And it's a Saturday, so you know that these are a certain type of person in attendance. I had to sit down and have the hour-long articulation, 30-minute articulation with someone. That doesn't scale. And quite frankly, on an ROI standpoint, I was probably making less than minimum wage for my time. Mm -hmm. However, as soon as the event was over, I announced Going Deep Summit 2.0, March 23rd, 2019. Within 48 hours, I had sold 20 tickets to that event mm. off of the momentum right. of that. And you can see just in that small example how this is a snowball and I've gotten it to start rolling. And then at some point down the path, if I can be consistent, if I can maintain the quality of content creation and relationships and brand building that I expect to, mm -hmm. at some point I'm going to turn the sign, you know, the open sign on, mm -hmm. say tickets are now available, mm -hmm. and drive tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue, right. people are going to solicit me to be sponsors just by the brand that I've built. But you can't do that without doing the unscalable stuff at first. That's really what the hustle is about. Yeah. And why you see, there's almost like this uh, disparity. There's some people who they get over it, and they they burnt themselves out hustling so hard mm -hmm. that then they just kind of ride and you know they're along for the ride because I've got the snowball rolling mm -hmm. and there's other people who aren't there aren't content and they're gonna keep rolling it mm -hmm. and you can start to understand why that's possible because if you told me that I had to do all, all the things that I did to get this first event off the ground mm -hmm. for the next 30 years I'm out I'm out I, I'm not interested <laughs> in that right right but at some point that brand and that momentum flips where that's no longer a concern. And then I hire someone to do all the logistical stuff that I don't want to do. Mm. And now it's this small obligation that I see as freeing me up to do other work right. as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to sit back and drink mimosas. Right. Man, that layout right there was, that was definitely extremely great insight as far as the business model goes and, and just everything. Um, as far as also in addition um, to that, as far as, um, getting the help that you needed. Um, one of the things that you said, you said you had uh, some interns to help along the way because putting on a, an event like this and you know getting the marketing together and getting people and stuff like that, how were you able to get people involved to help you along push this out? So what's interesting is I probably didn't need interns. Okay. I could have ridden the goodwill of the kind of Pittsburgh startup community. Like I had people saying, you need me to help, like I'll do it. Like you need me to come set up, you need okay. me to come do this other thing. Mm -hmm. and. While I appreciated that, what I was thinking about for the entirety of the event is I want as many people to just show up mm -hmm. and not see behind the curtain. I want them to show up for the show and be like, that was a good show. Because mm -hmm. that is what people actually pass on to other people. People aren't going to pass on, yo, I helped this guy set up his event and he needed help, so I helped. Like, that doesn't get me interested in coming. Right. What gets me interested in coming is I just had an amazing Saturday where I had you know, 12 new takeaways, four new connections, and some amazing food. Mm -hmm. How can I do that? Right. I would love to be a part of that. Right. That's the story that I want perpetuated. Mm -hmm. So I got the interns for two reasons, so that more people could have that experience. Mm -hmm. And then also I'm trying to build the skill of business management. So I've been a leader, I've been the captain on Ultimate Teams and in other venues, uh, like Boy Scouts back when I was younger. 
but I haven't been the leader in a business setting, which has its own nuances. So I wanted to go about recruiting, hiring, working with, training interns, and potentially start to build a pipeline of future employees of my agency mm-hmm. and the, pe- the people that would want to work with me That's who, smart. who have worked with me who start to understand my worldview and my perspective. That's if smart. someone's consumed my content or interacted and worked with me for mm-hmm. a four-month period, I'm a big believer that most of those people are going to want to continue to work with me mm-hmm. because of the ethic, because of the vision, because of the trust that I put into people. I wasn't mm-hmm. holding anyone's hand. Right. I said to the one intern, listen to these five episodes, pick out the three uh, quotes that are most meaningful to you, turn them into graphics and send them to me. Mm-hmm. Are you not gonna tell me which like which section or which quotes to use? No, I trust you. Yeah. You're gonna listen, you're gonna say that's significant, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna put it together, and then you're gonna send it to me. Right. I don't have time to micromanage you. Right. And you're a competent person. You're not a go fetch me coffee intern. Right. There's some things that are just kind of thankless that I need you to do. Mm-hmm. But I trust you to do these things. And in the same way that I was behind stage emceeing and organizing the show, mm-hmm. I had people out front who were checking people in, who were dealing with issues, who were escorting uh, like VIPs and sponsors and speakers to where they needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I just told them, like, this is how, this is what I need done. This is the basic framework for it, but do it the way that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And that that gives people not only the permission, but the license to step up mm-hmm. in this, instead of just kind of standing back and, and being passive for right. the event. So what, that's a lot of everything that you're saying right now is super good insight. Um, what are some of the best things that happen at an event and what are some of the things that you would want to change moving into the future to make this better? So the, the best things that happened for the event at least in my experience, was at the end of the day, there were two couples that were walking out, and they weren't together, but they they more or less told the same story, which was through whatever marketing channels I'd used, both of the husbands had wanted to be there and had come. Mm -hmm. And they had more or less convinced their wives to attend and be like Mm tag-alongs. And the one, she's like, I don't want you to be offended. I thought this was going to suck. I was not looking forward to it. <laughs> it's like, right. that's okay. Yeah. Like, you're allowed to think that going into something. But I had a great time. I learned a lot. It was entertaining. And I'm really glad I came. That is as much of a flip as you can do in someone's mind. They walk into something like, this is going to suck. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that gives me low expectations, which makes it, makes it a little bit easier. But I flipped her. Like, like she genuinely didn't have that experience. Right. And a big part of that was both of them weren't business entrepreneur types. The husbands were, mm-hmm. and the one was like a teacher, and I'm blanking on what the other one did, but it wasn't, they were afraid it was just gonna be business, 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 mm-hmm. and that's not what it was. We had some entrepreneurs, but we also had someone talk about being incarcerated, coming back out, and getting a second chance, and, and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We also had two teachers talking about civil discourse and building a better society in the future through the education of the next generation. We also had a nonprofit leader, Leia Lizarondo, talking about f- solving food insecurity through technology and, quite frankly, a lot of hustle. Mm-hmm. And those stories are timeless and can, ble- and can be applicable to a broad range of people. You don't have to be the hustler business type to really appreciate that. And that's kind of the same thing that we're trying to create with the show is, just because I tend to like the entrepreneur and, and resonate with that person uh-huh. doesn't mean that I can't take a lesson from 
a teacher in a classroom. Likewise, there's plenty, yeah. There's plenty for us to take from all those different domains. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what, were, and what was one of the biggest things that you would change or think you can improve on on the next one? So in terms of things that are changing, there's certain channels that just weren't particularly effective. Um, so there were some speakers that I thought would drive more engagement and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And there were some shows that I went on that getting back to like driving results, I didn't sell any tickets because I went on their show. I probably wouldn't waste my time doing that again. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, like even calling it a waste of time probably isn't accurate because I'm not above anything yet. Like I'm still at an inning one of my whole journey. And like to think that I'm above a show or above an experience like that, it's better than doing nothing. Right. It's still getting my name out there. It's still getting reps as a guest. Like being a good guest is its own skill that you can hone. Mm -hmm. um, and so those types of experiences are maybe just deprioritized. There's certain things that move the needle, there's certain things that don't, and I'm gonna over-index on the activities that drive the needle and drive results. And then maybe the other thing that I can do better is not only selling sponsorships, but getting partners who are going to really move the needle mm -hmm. and having those conversations sooner. I had a few people where they're like, yeah, we would we would buy 30 tickets and send like a department of the University of Pittsburgh or something. That'd be dope. And we just didn't know about it soon enough. Like mm -hmm. I didn't get it out there. And it's because I was juggling 10 things. It's not because I didn't know I needed to talk to the University of Pittsburgh, but mm -hmm. they're like, we just, we're a slow moving big bureaucracy mm -hmm. and it's not gonna happen that quickly for you. So I can start, I mean, it's still a year out. I can yeah. start a lot of those conversations now and that just, you know, another kind of spin of the snowball, so to speak, that just builds that momentum for next year. One of the things that you just said that is a really great idea is like getting into those universities and inviting students to come to the conference because they're at the stage where they're still, you know, they want to learn, they want to get that information and if they are entrepreneurs or in the business or, or they just want to come to a good conference and get good information, they can actually learn a lot from that, learn new people, get a chance to net, uh, network and it's just a it's it's just a great circle of, of just so many different things that you can accomplish in this uh, just in doing that. Um, what were some of the uh, uh, some additional topics that you guys talked about at this conference, um, or what are some additional things that you feel like you will want to be talked about at the conference? So the opening speaker is uh, you know people are on YouTube right now they can look it up was Ed Lattimore he gave the opening keynote and that's already. Uh, far and away the most popular of the keynotes on, on my YouTube channel. And he spoke about being a heavyweight boxer. Mm -hmm. This guy, you know, he's physically imposing, but he's also this fantastic writer. And he spoke about getting knocked out in the biggest fight of his life. He was on Showtime, he was undefeated, like as high up as you can really feel as an athlete or as a person, to be perfectly honest, like I knock people out, right? right. And he, got put down, TKO, and had to relive it, it's on social media, he had to put his psyche back together in terms of like, I thought I was up here, I got knocked down, does that mean I'm here, does it mean I'm still up here, how do you put that together? Um, so that was a really powerful and inspirational start to the day. And then uh, some of the other speakers that were really interesting was Adam Harridan from Learn Your Land. Um, another great uh, keynote if people want to watch it or his channel is just absolutely explode. I think it's like 33,000 YouTube subscribers or something. That, yeah. And he talks about nature and how we all need to spend more time out in the woods, um, interacting with mother nature. As a society, we've receded into 
structures and buildings. Mm -hmm. And because of that distance from nature, there's lessons that were just secondhand obvious to older societies that we're just not in touch with anymore. Mm -hmm. And he spoke to the fact that you know, whether you're pursuing happiness or success or fulfillment or these other things, there's a lot of lessons from nature that can be learned and applied to those ends as well. So a lot of people said that was one of their favorite talks. Um, Larry Joya talked about connecting instead of networking. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach, Zach Slayback had a really good one, how to get ahead when you have nothing to offer. So if there's young, young hustlers on the show, there's a lot of people who are really ambitious, they wanna put in, put in a lot of work, but they don't necessarily have that dynamite skill or credential. So mm -hmm. I'm not the super programmer. I'm not the graphic designer. I'm not like this thing that you can kind of hang your hat on that opens doors for you. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that position, there's still a lot of things that you can do to not only acquire those type of skills, but to orient yourself and get yourself near these high impact, um, really successful, insightful people mm -hmm. and he laid out a, a game plan for doing that and then actually ran to the crowd and did crowd work where he was like diagnosing and prescribing solutions to problems in real time so that was mm. a lot of fun awesome awesome so one of the things i'm also interested in hearing um some of your ideas and strategies about um with all this experience and knowledge that you got from doing this first event uh and, and conference what would you say are some of the ideas and strategies you would like to implement maybe as far as distribution and marketing it for the next one? What's some of the ideas that you have for that? So one of the core ideas is that my own channels have to be stronger. Mm -hmm. I have to have more people on my mailing list. I have to have larger followings on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have to have more subscribers to my podcast. I have to have more people watching uh, videos on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So all things right now are oriented around building those channels, mm -hmm. providing value there at no charge, and building deeper relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, on like that's like maybe the infrastructure of it. Also, you know, there's there's people who even showed up to like we had a little get together afterwards. Okay. And they showed up to that and they didn't show up to the event because they didn't have it marked on their calendar. They weren't sure about it, but like they still like me and support me. I need those people to not only be there, but to be raving fans. So people that didn't go to the conference, they went to the after party thing. You yeah, said. they like okay. had something planned or whatever. Okay. And I'm not uh, I'm not trying to like call them out. Right, just, right, right. You know, I was it, just trying to understand. Like, I only had so much time to get the word out right. and they had other priorities. Mm -hmm. Those people need to feel like it's a priority for me to be there next year because mm -hmm. not just because of the speakers, but because I know Aaron is putting on a, a good show and I'll be better for having attended. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of my part of the reason I'm here is I want to plant the seed in 500 people's heads yeah. that they should probably go to the Going Deep Summit at some point in their lives. Maybe mm -hmm. they're maybe they're watching from Seattle and they're not necessarily going to make it out uh, for March 23rd, 2019, which they should, but <laughs> they will put that as something to you know. If I make it to Pittsburgh or I'm in that neck of the woods, that's something I'm going to consider doing. Mm -hmm. Nice. I, I, I love the ideas and, and the things that you have going forward. Um, so what's some of the big goals that you have in like the next, I mean, I know in the year you have the summit. So what's the next you know, like two years, five years? What's the big goal that you're looking to accomplish? So what we're doing this year is we're scaling out an agency with three core productized services. Mm -hmm. The small level is building uh, 
building Instagram accounts through hashtags, content, and then this um, way of having a uh, collection of Instagram accounts that you're in control of. And by getting a bunch of likes within the first hour, you boost yourself in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. So there's strategies around that that we're gonna deploy. The second productized service is podcasting. So the editing, the syndication, the show notes, all the things that very busy people with high value on their time don't have time to do. Mm -hmm. Let my agency take care of that. We know how to do it, we know how to do it well. I've done 280 plus episodes. I know how to train people to do it. Mm -hmm. The big pie in the sky productized service is called documentary as a service. And so the idea there is that um, if these hustlers are familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, I know oh, you're yeah. a fan of him. Hell yeah. um, he <laughs> has the camera follow him around. Mm -hmm. That is what we're going to do. We're going to market the agency through doing that ourselves hmm. and showing the effectiveness of it and how that translates into greater engagement on your podcast, greater following on your Instagram account, but also creating this documentary of your professional journey and how that not only translates into external uh, marketing materials that can be broken up and syndicated on all these different platforms that we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's really interesting is if I'm the founder or CEO of a 2,000 person company, I have surpassed the point where most likely it makes sense for me to meet every single person in the company. I may you know, shake their hands or something, but we don't have a relationship. Right. It's just not possible. Dunbar's number, you can't know more than 150 people. I also need to know our partners and other CEOs and investors and all this other stuff. It's just not possible for that to fit into someone's brain. Right. However, if you have a documentarian working with you in your company, here's what can happen. You can set aside one hour of your week to sit down with two to three new employees, maybe from different backgrounds, someone on support, an engineer, and a salesperson. And you can have a conversation with them about the values of the company, where you're going, the big projects and pie in the sky goals, the culture that you wanna have as a company, your values, have a discussion with them, answer their questions, because there's common questions that every new employee has about their company, answer them, document it, and then you don't have to share it externally, but keep it as an internal document. You know, there used to be the, the terrible, uh, training videos like at, yeah at s corp we don't harass our fellow employees like <laughs> super right just super cheesy yeah useless right no one wants i don't think they even do that now because they recognize yeah. how useless it is right but on the other end of the spectrum think about how powerful it is to see the ceo of the company mm -hmm. articulating the values to someone who's just like you someone who's brand new to the company mm -hmm. asking the same questions that you have in your head mm -hmm. That's what builds culture. That's what builds loyalty and establishes um, res uh, retaining these employees for longer periods of time. That's the biggest struggle that companies of that size have mm -hmm. is talent management. They, they don't wanna lose and have uh, talent leak out to elsewhere and they wanna keep the really good people there. Mm -hmm. How do you build systems and communication tools that will keep people engaged with your work and mm -hmm. the meaning that you have behind it? This dude is dropping some serious knowledge right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, yeah. This is good stuff. Um, yeah. So, 
That is awesome goal. So what is like the main message that you would want to leave with someone if, uh, you know, you want to impact them? What's the, or if they're struggling with something or a hurdle that they may be trying to overcome, what's the, what's the message that you would want to leave with an entrepreneur that may be struggling? There's two pieces that fit together beautifully and they, they tie into everything that we've talked about today. Aim high and ask for help. So when you aim high, it means that you have to work harder. It means that you have to study up. It means that you have to acquire these different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And that makes you the type of person that other high achievers resonate with, right? Mm -hmm. You're aiming high. You wanna do something important. I'm all about it. Ask for help means don't beg for everything to be done for you, but hey, Aaron, you know more about um, syndicating podcasts to different platforms than I do. Can you talk to me about how to do that? Can you show me where I should be syndicating my audio of my podcast to? Right. Sure, I'm happy to. That That's gonna save you four hours of research and, and your time, which is valuable. I can drop that like nothing. Like that's just second nature to me because of my experiences. And there's so many people that are happy to do that. I'm not doing it because, well, I'm trying to build leverage in our relationship so that I can like exploit that in the future. It feels good to help people. Right. If you've ever volunteered at a food bank or any form of helping others, you know that that feels good. It's not a purely selfless act. You right. love helping your fellow man, and not that you're exploiting it, but just feel comfortable asking for help because people enjoy doing it. So mm -hmm. aim high, ask for help, you'll be fine. That's awesome, and, and and I gotta say, this is probably one of the best conversations. Uh, we we talked about that uh, competition earlier. I would say it's definitely holding up because this is one of the best episodes I've internally got a lot of information. I've seen Rob in the back; he's <laughs> he's nodding his head, so I'm pretty sure he agrees. So this is definitely a really good one. So I highly recommend people to watch it. So just in uh, wrapping it up, where would be the best place for people to connect with you? Um, so I'm really easy. My website is goingdeepwitharon.com. Um, I'm Aaron Watson 59 on both Instagram and Twitter um, and you know there's two Aaron Watsons there's one that sings country music and there's one that hustle, <laughs> hustles in Pittsburgh uh -huh. um, right now he has a little bit more acclaim than I do we're gonna change that okay and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm very accessible I would love to anyone who has questions or is inspired by this or anything I would love to hear their feedback um, if they're YouTube uh, folks they can go head over to my channel and subscribe Absolutely. but one thing that I do on my podcast going deep with Aaron Watson is issue a challenge at the end of each episode and okay. not from me but having my guests do it and the idea is it's really easy to listen to this and feel inspired and mm -hmm. you know fired up but how does that actually translate into action right. because that's what's gonna drive results for mm -hmm. you getting back to driving results yeah. and the one of the ways to find the other people in your world who also have that hustler m mindset mm -hmm. is to be sharing stuff with them. So there's certain people that are really into the tech scene or really into um, you know this type of content. Maybe they haven't seen your show before. Mm -hmm. My challenge for the audience is if you really enjoyed this conversation, if you agree with me and Anthony that this is the best interview that he's ever done <laughs> and ever will do, then share this with one other person who would also get value from it. That's not just helping us, that's also building your thought leadership and your influence with others because you've shared something of value with someone else. I challenge you to do that. That is awesome. I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're about to change and improve on a lot of things as far as the format goes with this show. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start doing that on every episode because 
yeah we're, we're definitely going to get into more details on that but um yeah man i i definitely appreciate you for coming on thank you for having um me. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to continuing to build on this relationship and share ideas and and, and uh, continue to collaborate because i feel like we can definitely achieve a lot together and uh i think the the future is definitely looking bright so um so now that everybody knows that what Aaron does with his 24 hours, I want to know what you do with your 24 hours. Definitely accept the challenge that he put down as well. Um, definitely leave a comment down below whether you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook. And then definitely subscribe, turn on notifications, and we will see you on the next episode.